Good evening and welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're glad that you were able to join us tonight. We pray that you are having a great, great week in his presence. We are so thankful for a wonderful Easter weekend. Got to hear all of our children uh, present their songs to the church. It was wonderful. Had a great time in the presence of God and then also had a great time uh, with all the different, I saw postings of all the different get-togethers for Easter, and we're thankful that it was a good weekend for, for you. We're looking forward to what God has for us here at Spirit of Grace Church. This Sunday is going to be a very special Sunday. Looking forward to it, and uh, God is on the verge of doing some things that will allow us to create more space so that we can create more room for more people, and we're looking forward to that. Praise God. Tonight I want to uh, come to you with just some tips, if you will, on, uh, well, the title, Tips on Dodging Javelins. Uh, javelins are coming at us. And uh, as God matures each of us, we've got so many new people at Spirit of Grace Church, and as we go through the maturing process and we grow in the Lord, and as we grow in the Lord, that means our ministry will grow because each person has a ministry. It may not always be within the church house. It may be at work. It may be in your family. It may be in your neighborhood. But everybody has the opportunity and the really the duty to minister as you mature in the Lord. And as those things happen, as we mature and as we become better at ministering to others, uh, the javelins begin to get thrown. And so I want to share with you from 1 Samuel 18, first of all, uh, verse number 10. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And then one chapter over in chapter 19, uh, verse number 10, Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence and he smote the javelin into the wall and David fled and escaped that night. This is a message of warning to us tonight and preparation found in the text that we read that I believe can help you and I as we prepare for the next level of our maturity, the next level of our ministry. Uh, there's some things that I believe that you and I need to understand and look out for that has the potential to harm us and or kill us if we're not aware. And when I say kill us, I'm talking ministry-wise and in God. But let me just back up a little bit and give you some historical context to the passage that we read tonight. The prophet, the old man Samuel, loved King Saul and sees Saul's failure as his own failure. But God won't let the prophet uh, complain, mope, have self-pity, uh, about the pain of the past, he gives Samuel a new mission. And that new mission is to anoint the next king of Israel. And so the Lord says to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him? 
as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And so Samuel tells the Lord, anointing a new king while a reigning king is still alive would be very dangerous, as if God didn't know that. Uh, sometimes we think we know more than God, and that's just not the case. God knows more than us at all times. And so the anointing of the young man by the name of David is significantly political. It designates David as the king to be, and thus is really dangerous for both the prophet Samuel and David, because now in those days and age, when anybody was a threat to the throne, the sitting king usually went after them. David is anointed twice more for political purposes by the men of Judah and later by the elders of Israel, but Samuel's anointing of David is much more significant spiritually than it is politically. Because the Bible says that when he anointed him from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when we are anointed by his presence, when he places his hand upon us, it always comes in power to empower us. And it did so with David. David had been a heart-playing songwriter, and now he becomes an anointed prophetic songwriter and the sweet singer of Israel, quote-unquote. But the boy who has courageously defended his flock against the lion and the bear now becomes the mighty warrior who defends his country against Goliath and the Philistines. The young man who was shepherding his father's flock in finding green pastures and still waters is now the shepherd over the nation as its king to be, and all by the spirit that came when Samuel anointed him. So really today, I want you to know that it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. God is not looking at your today. He's looking at your tomorrow. You can be a street sweeper today and God will make you an intercessor tomorrow. You can be mischievous and devilish even today, but you will become a mentor tomorrow. You might be on drugs or in rehab or in treatment, but God will make you a trusted leader tomorrow. You can become a sinner today and God will make you a Sunday school teacher tomorrow. You can have the worst foul mouth today and you'll sing like an angel. God transitions and converts people very, very quickly because he's not focused on the shortcomings of today. He's focused on the potential of what he can do in us tomorrow. Some of us don't see it yet, but here's where I'm going with this thought. From the time that David was anointed and empowered to become the king, to the time that he was the king was over 15 years in Judah and seven more years after that before David was the king over the entire nation of Israel. This means that it took David 20 years from the time that he was anointed in order to be made king. 20 years. Here's what I'm trying to tell somebody. 
You may have been anointed to be something, but God hasn't opened up the door yet. It simply means he is maturing you and preparing you. And it's in those times when the enemy of your spirit and the enemy of your soul will try to get javelins to be thrown at you. God was finished with Saul. Saul had disobeyed God for the very last time. The kingdom of Saul is already doomed. And so Samuel is dispatched by God to Bethlehem to anoint Saul's replacement. And when Samuel arrives, David's not even present among them because no one ever dreamed that David would be in contention to be anointed as the king. He was doing what other young men his age were doing. He was taking care of a small flock of his father's sheep. And when Samuel has David summoned and then anoints him, David must wonder at that point in time, Samuel the great prophet has just anointed me to become the king of Israel. I wonder when I'm going to go to the palace and find the throne. But the answer to that is probably much longer than he expected, imagined, and probably, well, obviously more difficult than what he thought it was going to be. And so now in the passage that we read, we find a short period of time has elapsed and David, after killing the giant, is now found living and working in King Saul's palace as just a young man. And things had been real good for a while as a teenager. He had been anointed the next king. He had killed Goliath. He had been working in the king's court, had been very successful in his leadership of the king's military. But the more successful that he became, the more King Saul despised him. To the point that the king tried to kill David, David's popularity uh, causes King Saul to become jealous and enraged. Now, I want you to notice this. It was in the maturing time. It was when God adds a little bit to you here and a little bit to you there that the enemy of your soul becomes enraged. If he can leave you in the immature state, if he can get you to stay there, then so be it. But the minute that God anoints you and begins to add things to your life and to your ministry and to the way you think and who you become, you, you become popular maybe with others, but the enemy of your soul becomes very upset. And so David or Saul seeks to be rid of David by even having him killed in battle. He wanted it to look like an accident. But everything that Saul does to destroy David serves to uh, elevate him in power and popularity. I want you to understand this. Every time Saul sought to destroy David, it elevated David a little bit higher in power and popularity. Listen, when you are faced with the things of the enemy, and you are having to deal with the attack of the enemy, just know this, every time he tries to destroy you and he doesn't, it is one more step of elevation in maturity and in ministry and availability for God to use. Praise God. You, you, you see, Saul even offered David his one of his daughters to go out into battle if he would just kill 100 Philistines and bring back the, uh, the, the evidence. And instead of getting himself killed, he killed 200. 
gained a wife, Michael, who actually loved him more than she loved her own father, and further admiration and respect from everybody else except for Saul. I, I know what you're thinking, and, and what's the point? If David's to be the next king by God himself, why do we see on more than one occasion where King Saul tries to eliminate David? Why does King Saul try to pin him to the wall with a javelin? Why does he have to hide out on another occasion when Saul is throwing javelins? Why does Saul send David out against those Philistines which should have gotten him killed? If David is anointed by God as the next king, why does he go through so much adversity and almost killed on many occasions? Why is he going through all this if he's been anointed by God? Well, let me ask it in this way. If you've been anointed to be something for God, why is it so challenging? If you have been anointed to be something for God, why do so many continue to reject you? If you've been anointed to be something for God, why do friends and loved ones fight your desires and your aspirations? If you've been anointed to be something for God, why is others out to be against you? If you've been anointed by God to be something, why isn't the journey already going smoother? You see, David had 20 years where he had to dodge javelins. Although he was anointed, he was not yet appointed to be king. I want to say that again. Although David was anointed to be king, he was not yet appointed to be king. He grew up in those 20 years. He matured. He learned to rely on God more. He lost some things and had to regain some things. He had to experience some of the pressures and the sufferings in order for him to be the king that God wanted him to be over Israel. He had to go through some things in his maturing process. You see, I want you to notice this and underline it on your screen, if you will. Your anointing will always precede your appointment. I, I need to say that again. Your anointing will always precede your appointment because he is going to anoint you in order to grow you so that when the appointment comes, the anointing is already there. You've already been prepared to step into that appointment with maturity and spiritual understanding and wisdom. But in those times of learning, you need to be able to dodge all kinds of javelins that are thrown at you. Thrown at you because he knows that if you don't learn to dodge them now, the, the, the more mature you grow in him, the more expansive your ministry is, the more susceptible you will be to javelins, and he doesn't want you to be destroyed. You have to learn how to become proficient at dodging javelins so that you can survive at the next level of ministry. You see, as long as you're doing very little for God, and maybe you just have a belief in God, but you're not really sold out to him, the enemy's okay with that. You're not doing any damage to him. He, he'll let you think that you're doing well. But the minute that God anoints you for something and you begin to grow in him and you begin to mature in him, and as soon as God begins to 
elevate your ministry, javelins begin to be thrown because the enemy knows that if you are in a process of maturing into what God wants you to be, that when you get to the appointed time that God uses you, the enemy does not stand a chance of winning. And so he wants to distract you. He wants to derail you. He wants to throw a javelin and pin you to the wall. And you've got to learn to avoid it. You see, as soon as God increases your territory, the enemy's tossing a javelin. As soon as God allows your circle to grow, your church to grow, the blessings of God. Listen, I've said it this way oftentimes. If you're not facing anything from your enemy, it's a good chance that you're not doing anything for your Lord. But the minute you start accomplishing something through the anointing of the Holy Ghost, again, this isn't you trying to just do something, but God anointing you and maturing you to be prepared for what he has for you. The enemy doesn't want that, and so javelins begin to be thrown. Javelin dodging is dangerous business. They're big. They're heavy. Javelins are sharp. Javelins differ from a spear. A spear is shorter. A spear is designed for closer contact in battle, hand-to-hand -hand sometimes even, but it's more personal. A javelin, on the other hand, is something that is from a distance. I don't need to be very close to you to have a javelin uh, affect you. Sometimes you don't even see a javelin coming since it can be thrown from a great distance. That's how the enemy tries to destroy your maturing, to destroy your equipping for ministry. He knows this. He knows that if he gets right up in your face, you're not going to budge. You're going to recognize him. So what he does is he resorts to throwing javelins from something that is said behind your back from from miles away, from a relationship of gossip from somebody else, from somebody that is bringing you down in email or or, or on the phone, et cetera, et cetera. There's all kinds of different javelin throwers that can come your way. Bitter javelin throwers, angry javelin throwers, jealous or grieving javelin. One thing's for sure, javelin throwers are dangerous. And look at the text in 1 Samuel again. It says, he cast, Saul cast the javelin. I will smite David even to the wall. And David avoided it out of his presence. Over and over, David would, on at least three different occasions, escape the javelin of Saul. But there's a lot of people that I know today, unfortunately and sadly, that have not avoided or escaped the javelin. I know of many people that have fallen by the wayside and failed because they never learned how to dodge javelins. Many ministries have died because they never learned how to escape the javelin throw. And many churches have closed their doors throughout history because they didn't learn how to dodge the javelins. So I want to give you today a few ideas, uh, a few tips to avoid the javelin throws, throwers of your life. In, in 1 Samuel 24, 5 and 6, it said, It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, 
the Lord's anointed to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. David had the opportunity to fight back against Saul. He could have taken Saul's life and elevated himself to the throne of God. But David didn't do that. David cut off a little bit of his garment so that Saul would recognize and understand that David could have taken his life. But David knew that even though Saul sought to do him harm, it would not be the right move to fight against the king or the enemy at this point in time. I realize that this is hard to comprehend, but even if we fight against the thing and the man whose heart went wayward from God, we are still fighting what God has anointed and set up. So my, my, my tip for you today is to pick your battles. Not everything should be fought over. Uh, be careful not to attack the thing that has tried to attack you. They may not be acting right, but that does not mean that it doesn't belong to the Lord. And just because something or someone doesn't look or act anointed, remember that that is not your call, it's God's call. First Chronicles 16.22, Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. You and I may be justified in our own eyes to go to battle and to war. But in the eyes of the people who don't have all the information, it reveals to us a as a rebellious and we're fighting a losing cause. When we fight back, we are not trusting that God will fight our battles for us. Second Chronicles 20, 17 you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand you still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. So my friend, if you're dodging javelins, don't fight back. Just turn it over to God. I know that sounds cliche, and that sounds like just something easy, and I know it's really, it's really a battle, because you're battling your flesh, because your flesh wants to lash out. When somebody doesn't agree with you, when somebody comes against you, you want to lash out. You want to defend your viewpoint. You want to justify your actions. It's at those times where you have to just step back and say, Lord, this battle is yours. It's not mine. I will just stand at the ready. And when you ask me to move, that's when I'm going to move. The, the next thing I want to give you a, a, a tip with is understand who your friends are. Not who's friendly, but understand who your friends are. We must be careful to confide uh, of who we confide in, especially during a season when javelins are being thrown. Okay. It, it always interested me that David, uh, he only confided in one other person that we can see in Scripture. That was Jonathan. And so the, the principle is this. When you're going through something, tell somebody, not everybody. Tell somebody, but not everybody. Yes, know who your friends. You only need to talk to the people that are the closest to you, those that have your best interest in mind those that can help you grow in your ministry 
and grow in your calling and grow in your maturing. At, at the at everyone that let me put it to this: everyone that's smiling at you is not necessarily pleased with you. Uh, that that sounds harsh, but it's really the truth. When you step into a next elevation of maturity and ministry, oftentimes it's a very lonely place. Oftentimes it's sometimes just you and your spouse or you and God. And sometimes you need to find that one friend that you can rely on that's not going to go and tell it to everybody else because not everybody smiling is your in your face is pleased with you. Watch out for those who are in your circle, but not in your corner. When they're in your circle, they can always elude the thing. But when you get put into a corner, you need to know who's going to be there in that corner because there's no way out. There, there, there needs to be somebody that will stand with you. You remember Jacob's son, Joseph, don't you? The one with the coat of many colors, beloved Joseph, who became the the, the second in, 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 in line with Pharaoh that supported and and brought the children to, to Egypt to avoid the famine. Joseph's biggest mistake was always telling everybody about his dreams. And finally, his brothers and even his parents got a little bit tired of, uh, of him sharing what God had allowed him to dream. And so they cast him into a, a, a pit. Sometimes we just need to keep what God is doing in us to ourselves or at least to those that we know we can confide in. Now, one of the things that's amazing about this entire narrative is that while the hatred of Saul for David was growing every day, David was surrounded by others who loved him. And he was, he was told that the Israelites loved him. We are told that Jonathan loved him. We are told that the king's daughter Michael loved him. In fact, when the text says that Saul's Daughter Michael loved David. It's the only place in Hebrew scripture where a woman is said to love a man. So in the midst of the darkest hour of David's life, when javelins are coming at him and being thrown, Saul's hatred for David was burning within Saul. Everyone else was growing more and more fond of David because David knew his friends were. You'll see that as you are growing in the Lord, as you are maturing, as you are, your ministry is growing, it may not be certain people that are enjoying your growth, but there will be those that come alongside you that will love you in your darkest hour, that will support you, that will stand up with you, that will warn you when the javelins are coming, that will be a, a way of escape from the things that are coming against you. When you're under attack, it's imperative that you keep progressing with a mission. And this is my last tip tonight. It almost it sounds like it contradicts the first tip, which means the battle's yours. Just stand still and see what God will do so you don't have to fight the battle. I agree with that, but you have to keep moving. Even though God allows us to see his divine armor in Ephesians chapter 6, and he says to stand, you, you still have to move some. But what you're moving in is not in battle form. What you're moving in is maturing form or ministry form. We, 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 we keep moving. We keep worshiping. 
in the midst of your dark hour when the javelins are throwing, keep worshiping, keep serving, keep leading, keep loving, keep forgiving, keep preaching, keep praying. As long as you keep moving towards God in maturity, the javelins won't be able to get to you. You let God fight those battles. You allow certain people to come around you that you can confide in, but then you keep pushing or moving towards Jesus Christ. As you keep seeking him and leading him, uh, uh, everybody else is going to be elevated around you and your anointing will eventually turn into your appointment because you will have had the things of God growing you to where when you step into that appointment, you're ready. I believe that God is elevating each one of us, young, old, middle-aged, it doesn't matter. I believe God is elevating our ministries, and I'm not just talking about what happens at church. He's elevating you on the job site. He's elevating you among friends. He's elevating you within your family. Your influence is greater today than it's ever been. Just don't let the javelins get you. Just let God take care of the battle. Just stay close to those who can you can confide in and trust. Just keep doing what God has already started in you so that when your time of appointment comes, your anointing will shine through. You see, we just finished up Easter week. We just finished celebrating the death and the burial and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. But do you know that his anointing came before his appointment? He was anointed far in advance from his appointed time to win the ultimate battle. I'm thankful that Luke 2.52 came into effect. He says he grew in wisdom and in stature and in knowledge of God. I believe that as we grow in our anointing, as we grow in our maturity and ministry, when the time of appointment comes for us to step into and over the threshold of ministry, we will be so empowered and equipped that we will make an ultimate difference through the power and the presence of God that's within us if we'll just avoid the javelins along the way. Praise God. I pray that if there are javelins in the air coming towards you, that you will gain something by this lesson to where you can avoid the javelin and keep allowing God to mature you until that appointed time when he begins to use you afresh. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for being with us tonight. Remember our services this weekend. There's no Sunday school. It's family day. So we'll have refreshments at 945 and we'll open our service at 10.30. It's going to be a great time in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. We love each and every one of you. We're so thankful for you that are members here in person and those of you that gather online on a consistent basis throughout the weeks. We just appreciate you so very much. Our love and prayers go with all of you. Can we just dismiss this time now with a word of prayer? Jesus, we love you and we praise you. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing. I thank you, Lord, for maturing us. I thank you, Lord, for giving us ministry. But Lord, in the midst of all of that, I'm asking you to encourage each person who has javelins thrown at them. Give them the ability, God, to turn the battle over to you. 
begin to give them the, the ability to figure out who those close people are that they can share the journey with. And then, Lord, above all, help us to keep moving. Help us to keep worshiping. Help us to keep praising. Help us to keep forgiving and serving and loving and caring. For that's what you desire. Be with each one now, I pray, in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. God bless you all.